0: The reading is taken from Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him.
1: good afternoon uh, to you. It's lovely to be uh, with you. I'm uh, very grateful for the invitation from Christians in Parliament to be with you uh, this afternoon, not least in these wonderful surroundings. It's my first time uh, here in the Undercroft, and uh, what a spectacular place to be. Uh, Over the next three weeks, as Claire said earlier, we're uh, going to be looking at three encounters uh, with Jesus that we discover here in Mark's Gospel in the New Testament. Each one a demonstration of Jesus' power, and common to all three, we'll find each week, is one question, and it is the question of fear or faith. Uh, I'm going to leave us in a moment of prayer uh, before we turn to this passage. Should we bow our heads and I'll pray. Our loving Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. You do not leave us to live life in silence or in darkness. And so we pray now that as we come to your living word, We might hear your voice speaking to us. And would we find light in the darkness. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well it is of course to to many uh, a well known story this. uh, Jesus calming the storm. It is a a must have uh, in any children's Bible. I've read it many times uh, to our children. I have three young children at home. I've read it many times uh, to them. Not least from this book. I don't know if you're familiar with this. This is the Teddy Bear Bible. And um, uh, this has been great for reading Bible stories to my children as they've grown up. And indeed, for, uh, for one of them, our oldest, stumbling over his first words, time and again he insisted that we would go back to that Old Testament classic of David and Gareth. And um, uh, you, you can imagine he's gradually getting the, the hang of it, not actually Gareth. But anyway, uh, th- this has been a real sort of favourite in our house. Furry cover, uh, sort of soft and cuddly. Uh, and very much a children's favourite. But I wonder if, for many of us, when we come uh, to Jesus, the teddy bear Bible is how we tend to think of him, which is to say, we judge the book by its cover, we never really read or encounter what is inside of it, and we are left then with a sort of teddy bear Jesus, soft and cuddly. And of course, a story like. Uh, this one we've just had read for us of a man telling the sea to calm down. I mean, what are we to make of that? Well, it's a nice bedtime story and somewhat soothing. And any parent will tell you that's useful at bedtime. But this isn't really something to take very seriously. Can I say to you today, that is not the Jesus of Mark's Gospel. There is nothing cuddly about this episode. And that is because we are confronted here with Fear. I wonder, what are you afraid of uh, just at the moment? Fear takes many forms. Uh, Here in this episode uh, from the New Testament, it's fear of being caught in a storm. That's every sailor's fear. Of course, in the UK at the moment, I guess for many there is fear and uncertainty about the future, uh, about our prospects. Uh, In London, there's been fear on our streets in recent months. Uh, Here in Westminster, uh, you will understand these things better than me, so forgive my ignorance, but here in Westminster... It seems there is something of a climate of fear creeping into some corners of the political dialogue in recent years. And then at a personal level, of course, we fear, don't we, at the meeting that warns of redundancy or the scam that brings worrying news. And perhaps especially in the world of work, uh, in the, uh, the goldfish bowl of Westminster, we fear failure. Uh, Where I live, not very far from uh, Wimbledon, so sort of all eyes on that part of the world uh, from next week uh, uh, with the tennis championships. Andy Murray, of course, uh, finally last year made it to the summit of the world game, uh, claimed the world number one ranking in the men's game. He said this a few years, though, before uh, making it. He said, it's not the opponent you fear, it's the failure. It was a fear of failure that drove him on And upward. And I guess we fear, don't we, as life goes on, that we may not achieve all that we had hoped. And of course, for all of us, whether we achieve or not, our bodies will fail. And we fear the end. We fear death and what follows it. And so the truth is, faith still has a place. Uh, We line the streets for a funeral. Cortez. We, we bow our heads in a moment of silence. We offer up a prayer in the wake of the Grenfell Tower tragedy. People write their prayers on the wall. Faith has a place in our public consciousness. But what is faith? Well, whatever we think about Jesus, and I guess we may be in different places on that today, all of us know what it is to be afraid. We know what it is to feel fear. And so facing our fears, what place does faith have and what does Jesus Christ have to offer? Well, if you're new to uh, Christian things, then let me tell you the beauty of Mark's gospel is that we get to see the real Jesus. You can see it there in verse 36 if you just have a look at the reading. We get to see the real Jesus just as he was. That's the little phrase Mark uses. And with Mark, the eyewitness details make that clear. So we're told there was a crowd, multiple eyewitnesses. There were other boats to verify the storm. This is not a fisherman's tale. We're even told there was a cushion where Jesus was sleeping. And to meet the real Jesus just as he was, we're going to spend just a few moments looking at the three questions that are asked in this passage. Here's the first one. It's the question for Jesus. Does he care? Mark tells us a furious squall came up and so Jesus and the disciples are caught in a storm. Now, at this point, it's helpful just to understand the geography here. The Sea of Galilee is 200 metres below sea level, which makes it it prone to sudden storms because of the downdrafts that come in. And when the Sea of Galilee gets up, it is rough. About 30 years ago, uh, by the Sea of Galilee, the northwest shore, uh, a boat was found, the remains of, dating back 2,000 years ago. Uh, 27 feet long, 8 feet wide, would hold about 15 people. And scholars reckon it's the kind of boat that this was here. Uh, In Mark chapter 4, which means very simply, very limited protection from the elements, pretty exposed. So the disciples are in real danger here. And remember, some of them were fishermen. These are working men with the scars to prove it. Uh, They've seen a fair bit of weather. We can trust that if they're frightened, this is serious. So here's the question, verse 38. Can you see it there? The disciples wake him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? That is their question for Jesus, does he care? And with it, can he help? Isn't that what we want to know about this man, Jesus? Does he care and can he help? I think of a mum and dad uh, who lost their little girl to cancer about two and a half years ago. She was eight years old in my son's class at school. I walked with them through that, it's not the kind of thing you forget. And in their grief, uh, anger, confusion, pain, all of those things, and questions. And time and again, the question that everything kept coming back to, of course it would, quite rightly. As I talked to them about Jesus, it is the question, does he care? And can he do anything for us in our grief? All of us in our fears need someone who does both. It seems to me there are plenty of people with power, but very little compassion. And there are many with compassion, but no power to bring about the change that is needed. I mean, that's what we're witnessing, isn't it, in whole parts of the Middle East, in Syria at the moment. There are people with power, President Assad, Vladimir Putin, lots of power, it would seem, but many would say very little compassion. And then on the ground, in Aleppo, for example, there are aid workers full of compassion, extraordinary courage, but they would be the first to admit they lack the power to effect the change that is required. Can I tell you the most wonderful thing is that as you meet the Jesus of the Bible, you meet the human being who had more of both than anyone else who has ever lived and he didn't compromise on either. Total power, even the wind and the waves obey him, and yet full of compassion, which means if you are drowning, Jesus is the most wonderful news. At which point, of course, you may say, uh, or maybe those you work with will say, yeah, okay, that's, that's fine, yeah, fine for you, but I'm not drowning. The truth is right now it's plain sailing for me, the sun is out, the waters are flat. If Jesus works for you, if you need him, that's fine, but I'm okay, thank you. Well, maybe. But the truth is this isn't actually about our present circumstances,
0: Mark is actually
1: talking about the future judgment. See, The truth is, all of us are drowning, whether we know it or not. Uh, Any sailor will tell you when it comes to the sea, there are two big fears. Fear of being caught in a storm and then fear of being trapped on the tide. One of those fears is very obvious, uh, the other less so. And it may be that some of us are caught in a storm right now. We feel swamped. We know it. The waves just keep crashing over. We know we could go under at any minute. But whether we are in that storm right now or not, for all of us, the tide is coming in. Slowly, the water is rising, because day by day, death inches closer. And with it, judgment That is the storm we all face, ultimately. Mark has in mind the day when we stand before God at the end of our lives. But look at Jesus in verse 39. What does he do? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. I mean, this is extraordinary. Remember, there were eyewitnesses here to to confirm it. The change is instant, instant. This is not not a new weather front moving in over a period of hours. This is just a word, quiet, and with it Jesus brings peace. In the face of our fears, he offers peace. If you were one of Mark's early Jewish readers, you would know from your Old Testament that the waters symbolised judgement, the Red Sea, the River Jordan, from which God saved his people. And in the raging storms of suffering, the rising tide of judgment, Mark says Jesus is the one who can save. And so as we face our fears, Jesus banishes fear. Now that doesn't mean redundancy won't come or that the GP won't have worrying news. There is no promise that life will be easy with Jesus. We may find ourselves drowning in debt, in grief, in the struggles of life. We don't know when the next attack might come on our streets. But although Jesus doesn't promise that it will be easy with him, he does promise that we will be safe with him. And he can make that promise because of what he does when he goes to the cross. You see, later in Mark's Gospel, Jesus will face for us our greatest fear and he will meet it head on. Because at the cross... He will face the storm of death and judgment and he will give himself over to drown in the death that we deserve so that we don't have to go there. All so that we can have peace with God. So the question for Jesus, does he care? Then the question for The disciples, why are they afraid? Jesus has saved them from drowning. Uh, Now he asks a question of his own in verse 40. Just have a look, here's our next question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now they're going to be okay, the disciples, at this point. And yet in verse 41, still, they are terrified. Can you see that? And we need to think, why is that? Well, put yourself in the boat just for a moment. I mean, you would be terrified, wouldn't you? With a word, nothing more, this man, who you haven't fully worked out yet, silences the wind and the sea turns flat. That is extraordinary. Uh, we had a week away in Devon last year uh, with, with the family. We went surfing a couple of times. I used the term fairly loosely, but um, we're messing around in waves. And uh, you get tossed back and forth a little bit. And as a parent, occasionally, you do just call out to the children, small children, you know, big wave coming, you better watch out, uh, uh, and so on. Because they're not, they're not quite old enough to sort of manage it on their own. So I shouted occasionally at the children... Let me tell you one thing I didn't do. I didn't shout at the sea. It never occurred to me to do that. I looked silly enough trying to surf. I wasn't going to now start talking to the waves. But here is a man who does. Here is a man with power over nature. Remember, this is Jesus just as he was. Not teddy bear Jesus, all sort of soft and cuddly, but the Lord of creation. Who rebukes the wind and controls the waves. This is a Jesus who is terrifying. No wonder they were afraid. Let me ask you a question, a couple of statistics for you. Do you know how many people have climbed Everest? About 3,000. How many do you think have sailed around the world single handedly? It's about 70. I think that's quite interesting. Statistically, it is easier to climb the Earth's highest peak than it is to sail around the world, certainly single-handedly. That is how hard, I, mean, I know there are, there are all sorts of variables, but you know, just as a general statistic, that is how hard it is to conquer the ocean. That's why any sailor will tell you, you don't mess with the sea. You know the, kind of, the guy with the big long beard and the sort of sour of that kind of old sea dog will tell you, you don't mess with the sea. And we hear it, don't we? Our, our weather forecasters will speak in the same terms. You know, storm coming in this weekend. You know, Mother Nature will be flexing her muscles this weekend. We'll need to be careful if you're out and about. That sort of thing. But Mark chapter 4 tells us not to fear Mother Nature, but rather the one who is Lord over nature. You don't mess with the sea. No, no, no. You don't mess with Jesus. But still, let's just dig a little bit deeper on why... They were still so afraid. You see, it's not just what Jesus has done. It's that the disciples haven't understood who he is. You see, their fear of drowning is greater than their faith in Jesus because they haven't understood fully who he is. Yes, they have some kind of faith. They think he can do something to help them. Why else would they wake him in a storm? I guess for some of us, we think Jesus can do something. But we may not be persuaded that he's the divine son of God. It is interesting, teacher they cry here, not Lord. They wouldn't go that far. And so here's the uncomfortable truth for the disciples. Their faith is exposed here for what it is. And it is not yet real faith. You see, having a faith, because that's how we were brought up, or because we go to church, is not enough to save us Jesus actually describes that kind of faith here as no faith. Just look at verse 41. You know, you ask me for help and I calm the storm and yet still you have, he says, no faith. You see the real faith which Jesus talks about here is faith in him for salvation. It's believing that Jesus Christ will save us from judgment. And that is the only faith that drives out fear. And so the unnerving thing here is that just as Jesus banishes fear, we've seen that. So too, do you see it? He instills fear. And if we're afraid still, it may be because we haven't yet fully understood who he is. And yet Mark gives us a glimpse of what it's like to encounter Jesus without faith. And the truth is it's terrifying. I read last year the Boris Johnson biography of Winston Churchill. Uh, I, thought I, it, it, I thought it was a good read I enjoyed it full of Churchill soundbites and um, uh, yeah lots that I enjoyed I learned lots and in, in, just in one little soundbite looking ahead to his death it, it, it kind of sort of caught my memory as it were uh, Churchill declared I am ready to meet my maker whether my maker is ready for the great ordeal of meeting me is another question and you can sort of hear Churchill saying it, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it quite amusing make no mistake Jesus Christ was ready to meet Winston Churchill. And he's ready to meet you and me. And to meet him with no faith, that is, without faith in him for salvation, well, that would be a terrifying experience and a storm from which there's no escape. So the question for Jesus, does he care? For the disciples, why they're afraid? Which leaves the question for Mark's readers as we finish, that's us. Who is this? Uh, It's a rhetorical question, but it's there because it's the question Mark is asking of us. Who do you think Jesus is? You see, many of us fear Jesus because we don't know him. It's a fear of the unknown. But Mark invites us here to get to know him. Not as some kind of teddy bear Jesus, but as God in human flesh. Does he care? Yes, Jesus is full of compassion. Can he help? Yes, power over all creation. But it will be terrifying to meet Jesus with no faith. So if you don't yet know Jesus for yourself, can I invite you in the coming weeks to join the conversation? Come and have a look at who this man is in Mark's Gospel. Or if your colleagues don't yet know him, can I encourage you to invite them to join the conversation and to ask the question, who is this? Because if we will turn to Jesus in faith, he will drive away our fear. Shall we pause? And I'll do this in a prayer before we sing. So us, and I'll pray. Our loving Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we thank you that in our fears... The Lord Jesus does care and he can help. And we thank you that as he goes to the cross for us, he drives away our fears. And we pray, Father, please, that you might help us to take steps to better know who he is and to encourage others to do the same. In his name we pray. Amen.